And you know, in James 3, God basically tells us to watch our mouths, watch our tone. Talking about the same mouth, the same tongue, can have both blessings and curses coming out of it. So we need to watch what we say. God wants us to have good, clean thoughts and good, clean speech coming out of our mouths. We're going to read about that in today in today's uh, Bible reading and coffee drinking in James 3. A lot of wisdom in this short little chapter. If you're on YouTube, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our channel here and hit that notification bell. That way you don't miss any of our Christian videos that we put out every single week. Also, make sure you check out livingchristian.org, which is our website. Got good apparel, got Bible verse lists, blogs, podcasting, all sorts of good stuff to help you stay positive and Christian seven days a week. All right, let's go dive into James 3. I'll take a couple questions at the end, so make sure you stay tuned until after we read and discuss James 3. Let's go. Let's do this. All right, welcome to another episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Today we're in James 3, so we're in the middle of our series on James. James is a, a great short book, five chapters, uh, written by the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, he wrote this about, I don't know, 40, so 40, 40 to 50 AD. So roughly, you know, uh, you know, however many years after Christ, another 10 years after Christ, probably more than likely, um, after, he, uh, after he passed. So, um, so that is when James wrote this book. It's full of wisdom and chock full of instructions and different ways to look at things. So it's exciting today. We're going to talk about controlling your tongue and wisdom and other true wisdoms that come from God. So controlling your tongue is going to be interesting because we all have a, a little bit of a problem with our mouth sometimes. Uh, I know I do. Um, and, and my mouth has gotten me in trouble my entire life. Uh, and uh, I, I tend not to think uh, about what I say as much as I probably should. So this is probably a good chapter for me. Uh, so let's read James 3, a sip of coffee, then we'll get going. Controlling our tongue is the beginning uh, of James 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and we could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by, by the means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So James is going right into talking about how the smallest of body parts, your tongue, uh, can certainly determine where you go and how your life goes. Um, verse, uh, we're in the middle of verse 5. Uh, but a uh, tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Whew. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting every entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Harsh words, uh, but uh, accurate, right? Um, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt. I don't know how true that is. Uh, I think um, I think the words that we say uh, that comes out of our mouth on a daily basis, good and bad, uh, certainly can impact our lives and, and the people around us. Um, I think for us as Christians specifically, um, a lot of times we are accused of being hypocritical um, in many, many ways, in which in many, many ways that is true, okay? Let's, let's just be honest here. Uh, look in the mirror and realize, uh, um, you know, how, how hypocritical us as a Christian 
body can be. There are many times we say one thing and do another, uh, or our actions don't match our words. So whether it's you talking good words and then not living up to those good words, uh, or whether you're talking bad words and then and, you know go off at church, uh, you cuss all the week, all all seven six six days a week, and then you sit on church on Sunday morning thinking that uh, that's okay, uh, which is not. So James is talking about uh, hell. Uh, and, you know, it can set your tongue on fire. Much talking about negative uh, speech than positive speech in this one. Verse 7. People who tame—oh, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. I'm going to stop there for a second. Verse 9. This is what I'm talking about with the with the hypocritical stuff that we do as Christians sometimes. Verse 9 says, I'm going to read it again. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now, he, James is both referring to um, us being critical of other Christians, uh, but I would also argue that us being judging critical of other people, uh, maybe that haven't quite been saved yet. There are a lot of people out there that are still stuck in their sin uh, and don't know a way out. Instead of being judgmental and critical of them, uh, we should be showing them what Jesus is really like. That's that first bucket. The other bucket is being, you know, cursing and hard on other Christians, okay? Um we as a and I'm including myself in all of these things, right? We uh, are, are sometimes quick to judge um, other Christians and other believers. Maybe they look at it differently than we do. Maybe they read a scripture and interpret it differently. Maybe they're not living up uh, to what you think they need to be living up to as followers of Christ. I think we're all guilty of that. And I don't care whether it's me pointing the finger to somebody else or somebody pointing the finger at me. It's all negative. It's all bad. It's not helpful. It's not bringing other people to Christ. You want to talk about that first group of people who are still stuck, stuck in their sin. <clears throat> we're quick to judge, right? And we're quick to point out that, hey, you're still sinning. Um, now, if you want them to change, uh, then, then we as a Christian body have to be better. Uh, we have to show others what it's like to follow Christ. Uh, and, and specifically with James 3, uh, he's talking about the, our speech and the way we talk, okay? <laughs> and what comes out of our mouths. All right, let's go to verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Sure, my brothers and sisters, that this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of a, both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Ooh, I like that line again. No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Hmm. Wow, that hits home a little bit. You got to be careful. All right, let's continue on verse 13. Now he's going to, um, we're kind of changing course a little bit, talking about true wisdom coming from God. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
But if you are bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and self-ambition, there will be you, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I like how he pivots from, you know, watching your tongue, you know, the same mouth has blessing and cursing, to changing that over to, okay, part of that, maybe the issue here is, maybe the reason why you have salty springs coming out of your mouth is the fact that you're living in a self-ambitious and jealous viewpoint of the world. Because a lot of times, if you're critical of other people, um, and and neg- negativity comes out of your mouth uh, many, many times, it's because you're jealous, you're self-ambitious, you're certainly not necessarily saying those things uh, because you love the Lord, uh, <laughs> right? You're saying those things because you're kind of getting wrapped up in the worldly view of life. I, I Trust me, we're all there, okay? We're all there. I'm not being judgy. I'm pointing myself into this as well. All right, verse 17, let's wrap this up. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So we're gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna break down 17 and 18 real quick. Now he's wrapping up the the true wisdom section of but of this chapter, but 60% of the words in this chapter were talking specifically about what comes out of our mouths and our speech and our tongue and our bitterness and our and, and he he pivots that into jealousy, self-ambitious, and so forth. And so with that wisdom, if you have wisdom from God, okay, it's pure. So whether it's your actions, whether it's your jealousy, your self-ambition, or whether it's our speech, right, this is what we need to be doing. Our wisdom, if we guide by what God wants us to be and say and do what God wants us to do, it will, what comes out in our actions and our speech will be peace-loving, gentle, yielding to others. I like how he talks about yielding to others, which is the polar opposite of selfish ambition, right, that he talked about earlier, right? And that wisdom and our actions and our speech will be full of mercy, full of good deeds. It will show no favoritism and always being sincere, and the last part is probably the, the most important line of what we're needing to learn uh, of between controlling our speech and being jealous and self-ambitious, self-ambitious and kind of having that perspective on life is this. If we do what God wants us to do, we will be peacemakers and we will plant seeds of peace and then reap a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? Okay, so how do you plant seeds? Let's talk, let's talk about the speech part of it just for a second. If you are kind and gracious and loving in your speech, and you're really coming across um, not ambitious, but full of humility, if we have that approach when, when discussing our faith, when talking about behavior, when talking about politics or, or this world or whatever that may be, if we have that approach Right? We will be planting seeds of peace. We will be showing people what it's like to live through Christ. And what's that going to do? We're going to reap a harvest 
of righteousness later. You're never going to bring somebody to Christ. You're never going to help somebody overcome their sin and follow Christ and become a, a brother and sister of God by using bitter language and jealousy and self-ambition. It's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. We all, we all as Christians need to walk and talk in a way that shows others what it's like to be Christian. What show others what it's like to follow Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness later on and and that's the word of God. All right. I know this is kind of a tough subject, but it's great, right? I know it's hard to kind of digest at times because I, I I don't want you to feel like I'm talking directly to you. I'm talking to all of us, if that makes sense. Um, sometimes if you're getting a little defensive on this, like, well, I don't say the bad words. I don't curse. Uh, I don't talk bad about people. We all do in some form or fashion, some more than others, quite frankly. We all know that. Uh, but... Uh, we certainly aren't always living and, and, and walking through this world and talking through this world the way uh, you know Christ wants us to. So we need to emulate his pattern and how he treated others. Was he harsh on others at times? Yes. Was he harsh on the sinners? Not necessarily. He was more harsh on people that were judging the sinners. What he was trying to do is save the sinners. Right, the reason why he hung out with uh, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes and all these people. It wasn't that he uh, condoned their sin. He wanted to change them and, and, and show them that there's a better way. They don't have to live like that anymore. So those who cast the first stone, right? That whole story about the, the woman who's an adulterer, they're going to stone her to death. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jesus stepped in and said, hey, let, who, let whoever wants to cast the first stone if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone, and, and nobody could do it because they're all sinful. Right? We're all that way. It's inherent in our human nature, right or wrong. All right. All right. So that's enough of that. James three is great. We'll we'll continue on to James four on Monday. Uh, I'll take a couple of questions. Make sure you, if you're live here on Instagram, make sure you put your question on the bottom, and I'll uh, I'll be able to get to a couple. I'm have a sip of coffee, and we'll dive in. It's good coffee today. It's good coffee today. Last week of August. I can't believe this. All right. Uh, put your questions in. Uh, bottom right-hand corner of your screen, if you're on live on Instagram, there should be a plus sign um, or some dots, and hit the question mark, and I'm going to uh, answer a couple of questions. You do such an amazing job. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm just doing what God wants me to do. <laughs> just, I don't know. All right. Um, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, how can I be sure, this is from Michael, Michael, uh, how can I be sure God wants me to uh, give relationship more time on uh, for marriage and not to give uh, up even with my negativity and fearful thinking? How do you, how do I, how are you sure that God wants you to give uh, your marriage more time and not give up? Um, I guarantee you, uh, by you asking that question, Michael, uh, is your answer. Um, God doesn't want you to give up. If God puts you in a marriage, uh, he wants you to work through it. Not all marriages are perfect. Not all marriage, marriages are even salvageable, it feels like, uh, nowadays. And, I, I, and so I don't, I don't do you feel like I'm some sort of authority on marriage. I've been married a long time, but uh, we put God in the middle of our marriage. So in my mind, I talked about this before, uh, if you're struggling in your marriage, and Mikhail sounds like you are, 
Uh, stop being fearful. Stop being negative, and bring Jesus in the middle of your marriage. It takes three, right? It takes three in one in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It also takes three in your marriage, you, your wife, and God. Put God in the center of it, and I promise you, He can He can fix it. He can take away your negative thoughts. He can take away your fear, and He will mend your relationship if that's what you're going through. I promise you. Okay, so try that today. I know it's tough. But uh, don't be scared to approach that. All right. Uh, where did where did you hats go? I don't know what that means, Rexville. Uh, love the live and missing a lot of lives since I moved to college. <clears throat> I, I don't have a hat on today, if that's what you're referring to. I do uh, I do wear hats occasionally. I just don't have one on right now. But uh, you could uh, check them out on my website. Uh, and, and, you know, at Raxfield, I guess that's your name, uh, Raxfield, sorry, uh, go check out the previous episodes here on Instagram or on uh, YouTube or the podcast and uh, read on those. All right. All right. Let's uh, scroll down here and take, uh, let's take one or two more. Uh, how do I tell my 16-year-old daughter to hold her tongue? Ooh, isn't that the challenge of the day? How do you tell your 16-year-old daughter to hold her tongue, to watch her tongue? Oof. Um, that is one of the biggest challenges. I have two... Um, well, my, one of them is not a teenager anymore. I have an 18-year-old and a, and a 20-year-old, almost 21-year-old. Uh, so I, I feel your pain. Uh, 16 is a tough age. Uh, they're going to go through some stuff. Uh, they're learning, trying to figure out how to be, you know, adults uh, in a in a world where they're not. Uh, so uh, how do you get her to watch her time? You, you know, you've got to work and have that relationship with her. I find with my daughters. Um, the open communication is the best communication. So we try to have, we don't anymore because they're off of college, but we try to have dinners together. We had open conversation. They had open dialogue with me, my wife. Uh, we tried our best to help them navigate through those tough times. Uh, and that in turn helped their tongue. Now saying that it's not always perfect. Um, you know, especially when you're young, uh, you say things you don't always mean for sure. Uh, but uh, how do you help her? Get her into church, get her into a youth group. Uh, make sure you have that, that relationship with her, because if you don't have a good relationship to where you have open co communication and dialogue with her, then you can't expect her to have an open relationship and open dialogue with Jesus. Okay, so it starts at home, and you got to instill that in there. I'm not saying that you don't, but I know that has worked for us in the past. So uh, try your best, uh, and keep working through her, and keep talking. All right, keep talking to her, and uh, try to be open with her. All right, one more question, maybe two more questions, and we'll go. On down the road. Um, how do you deal with someone who doesn't believe in the power of the tongue and thinks words are just words? Well, hmm. I can't force anybody to do anything in this world. Uh, now, if they think that words are just words, uh, they haven't looked around uh, recently. Now, I, I am. I think in our society, in our world, I think we uh, are overly touchy with words. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of times words can be just words um, from a societal and cultural standpoint, uh, for sure. I mean, we are we're big on words right now. But saying that, uh, you have to differentiate what words are just words versus negativity and bitterness words uh, that the Bible is talking about in James 3, okay? Uh, so if they firmly believe that what James is saying is not true, that words can't hurt— uh, then they're probably one of the culprits who don't, don't quite understand that. So what you can do is shower them 
with positivity and, and, and wisdom and, and love and peace. Uh, it talks about the end of James that we just read about how, you know, you're trying to instill the peace and the seeds of peace so you can reap the harvest of righteousness later. So once again, just like, uh, you know, we were talking about her 16-year-old daughter a while ago, you've got to not kill him with kindness, so to speak, but you've got to make sure that you're not getting bogged down and pulled in to that negative speech pattern. And the words are just word stuff that they're talking about. Sit down, have open dialogue, talk to him about what you know, what is peaceful words and what is, what is harmful words, and try to figure out how to navigate through that stuff. Uh, but yeah, for sure. I think words can certainly hurt. Uh, I think we're pretty hung up on words, uh, but less of what the Bible's talking about, whereas in your, you're placing your, your, your peace and wisdom and, and, and the seeds of peace in your words. Uh, now we've twisted it around to where we've made words mean things that they aren't meaning. So that's the whole different conversation that we can talk about another time. But uh, let's take one more question, and then uh, we'll get out of here. i got to get busy on Monday. Um, we got lots of good questions in here now. All right, uh, one quick one besides uh, Philippians 4, 6. Uh, what other scriptures can help anxiety? Go to my website, livingchristian.org. I, I, I'm pretty sure I have a Bible verse list up top. Go to uh, Bible uh, sources, Bible resources, and go to the list, and there's one on anxiety on there. I got a whole list of uh, a bunch of Bible verses. So uh, that was California Girl and Dreaming. Check it out. I got a whole bunch of uh, Bible verses on anxiety. Okay. Uh, unequally, okay, we'll close it with this one. This is kind of, this is going to be a tough one. I can just tell from the beginning. Unequally yoked? Question mark. Should I be closed if uh, to pursue relation, pursue a relationship with a man who isn't religious yet? but he has all the other qualities. Can his path change? Okay, so that's a big one. Simi, let's, uh, that's a tough one. Okay, so here's my answer to that from personal experience. Um, unequally yoked is, is specific to marriage, okay? And, and making sure that you're on the same path. Uh, and it was back in the day, you know, Jewish people couldn't marry, non-Jewish people couldn't marry, Gentile, so forth. In our relation, it is, you know, a, a Christian needs to be in a relationship, in a marriage relationship with another believer, okay? Does that mean that you have to go into the marriage as both being saved and believers? Ideally, yes. Now, saying that, if you're telling me that the, the man that you're involved with has all the good qualities, right, if he's open to that, of course people can change. Now, do they change? Sometimes, right? Sometimes. I would say I've been married for 20-something years, and uh, my faith has grown a lot stronger the older that I get. Not that I was not faithful earlier, but I relied too much on myself when I was younger. I relied too much on this world when I was younger, even inside of my marriage. Uh, so I feel like I'm a better father, a better husband, and a better Christian now than I was then. So have I changed? Absolutely. Now, saying that, I wasn't an atheist going into the marriage and my wife being a Christian. There are some bridges that are too far to cross. Uh, but you're going to have to pray about that, and you're going to have to let God tell you what to do and put you on that right path. But not just pray about it, but you need to also have that conversation with your boyfriend, significant other, whatever that may be. <laughs> because if you're going to, if you feel like there's a future with him, right? You need to be equally yoked eventually. 
So if he is not willing to go down that path and willing to open up his mind and his heart and understand why it's so important to you, then he's probably not the right guy. But if he's open to do those things, if he has a good quality and he's like, okay, I see how important this is to you and I want to learn more about why that could be, then by all means, maybe you're meant to lead him to Christ. Okay, that's how I look at it. So the answer is maybe, right? The answer is sometimes. Uh, but pray about it. Let God lead you through it. And I promise you it'll be okay. All right. All right, have a sip of coffee and let's uh, let's have a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much for bringing us your word today. James 3 is powerful instructions on how we need to control our mouths, control our tongues, and, and live in your wisdom and what you give us and live the way you want us to live, free of self-ambition, free of bitter jealousy, free of negativity coming out of our mouths. We need to learn that, and I'm so thankful that you gave those words to us today. Please give us the strength, everybody watching and listening to this, and myself, the strength to abide in you and, uh, and learn from James 3. And take those lessons and apply them into our lives so we can watch our tone, watch our language, and only plant seeds of peace in the people around us. We want them to be saved. We want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to know you, Lord. And I know that you're working through us and give us the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom to be your voice here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. I'll see you guys on Friday, and we'll do James 4. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to you all Friday.